You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Wepa, what up, one and all? It's your host, Al Mega, Bakatu Sepa. What's going on? Happy Tuesday. Today, folks, we have an ill, ill guest. There's an awesome independent publisher called TKO Studios. TKO Presents has been busting it out. Amazing titles by amazing creators. And this man cannot be left behind, of course. He has an amazing new project from TKO Presents. It's called Jalea. Amazing Afrofuturistic type folklores and all that good stuff. My man is hailing all the way from the south coast of France. It is my pleasure to introduce the one and only... Jeanne Ba! What's up, kiddo? How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm fired up. It's 10 a.m. for me. It's evening for you over there. But I'm ready. I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped up. (laughs) How are you doing? What's popping, brother? I'm good. I'm good. I'm working most of the time. Working from home, I hope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the perks of the job. (laughs) Gotcha. All right. So a little bit about man. So, you know, I say you, you... on the south coast of France, where exactly are you in France right now? What what, what town, city? I don't know how you guys call it. <laughs> Province? Uh, so I'm in, I'm in Montpellier, France, which is uh, southeast, I okay. guess. Extremely sunny and hot. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a West African, but I don't like the heat. So like, I'm, I'm surviving. <laughs> Brother, I tell people the same thing here in Florida. I'd be like, I'm Puerto Rican. I'd be like, don't let my brown skin fool you because I do not like the heat. I miss my up north seasons. Please bring them <laughs> back. I need some winter in my life. Please, just a little bit. <laughs> With that, so have you always been in France? You know, give us a little bit background for, of, of yourself. I mean, have you always uh, been in France? Were you raised there? I mean, what, what's going so on? I I was born in Senegal and I okay. grew up there until I was nineteen. Then I moved here initially for art school, and then I ended up staying because. I mean, you get job opportunity after job, job opportunity, and then you get, you know, you make friends and you, you decide that actually you're going to stay. Okay. Which is mostly the reason why I'm still living with like the sun scorching my face, but like, <laughs> like friends. Excellent. And you, and you said you went there for studies. I mean, what type of studies were you taking? The way, the way the French system works, I went to like, I went to an art school where they first give you a, the first year where you have to learn basically a little bit of everything. Okay. And then you choose your specialty, and I went into illustration okay. for, for three years, which is where the... the I mean, I, I always knew I was going to draw, and I always knew that there, were, there was going to be a big focus on, on comics. Yeah. But that, that's basically why they took me in the first place, because like, I, I still remember the day I, I went the first time with my portfolio to show it to the teachers to, to see if they were if they were going to take me in. And, and I remember one of the teachers making an offhand comment about how the only thing that was that was worthwhile was my comic book stuff. <laughs> really? Wow. The, 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 yeah, the rest didn't, didn't impress at all. So like, uh, but they did, they did take me. So yeah, three years of that. Okay. Was was there any cool teachers there that that are that are well known art art folks or any even uh, someone in the French comic no. community? No, no, they're not. Which is in some ways really convenient for me because the one of them was especially into comic books. 
Okay. And so we would often have discussions about it. Like I would, I would show up every every week with like the new comics that I bought during the weekend and just show it to him. And especially because now that I was in France, there, there was all the access that I didn't have before, okay. where I could buy I could buy loads of French and Belgian comics that I didn't have, and and the American comics, and I would just show it to him and get feedback on what he thought was working and and, and what so, wasn't. So wait a minute, there. You're telling me that where you grew up originally in Senegal, they didn't have access to comics that easily or anything Not like either. that. Not many. Okay. The the main issue was like the big the big paradox for me is like listening to my aunt who grew up in Senegal as well in the sixties okay. telling me that she used to read Thor and Silver Surfer. Oh she wow. Would buy, she would buy in like grocery grocery shops and stuff. But I couldn't get my hands on on a Marvel comic book until I moved to France and bought it for myself. Wait, why didn't you ask your aunt? Let me get your copy. <laughs> well, wow, she's in, she, she's in Geneva now, but the oh, okay. the so she, so she could have. But like basically, the idea is that I I Senegal the way I knew it, um, you had a few French comics, a tiny few American ones. Okay, but it was mostly rare. Like to 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 give you an idea, the one time I found an actual hardcover comic book from America, mm-hmm. it was a copy of Wanted. Uh, Ooh, the Mark Millar, yes, yes. Yeah, and like I got it mostly because it was an American comic, and I I had so so few of those, and I just wanted to look at what was inside. I didn't like it very much, but <laughs> okay. yeah, but like I, I I took it for the novelty of it. That's how gotcha, gotcha. that's how important it was for me. Did you like the movie at least? Well, that's the thing. Originally, I saw the movie before I. Read oh, okay. It. And okay. I, I, the movie is completely different, and and yeah, I like it well enough. I guess it was it was fun. I saw it with kids. So let me ask you here. You know, obviously, the, always the key question. But what was that first comic that you laid eyes on that kind of helped you say, "I want to do this for, for the rest of my life. I love this." What's your key character, or what was that comic book? Obviously, it's not wanted. <laughs> I think it's more of a process. Okay. Like the oldest I have. The oldest I have is this. The Le Gris Gris de Yokoro <laughs> Koba? Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm gonna try and find a picture of the main character so you get an idea of the, the style. It looks like this. Oh, okay. Oh, man, that's so, typical French, French comics. Yeah, I see yeah. those a lot. Uh, from yeah. Cinefilm, I believe, is the company, something like that. Cinegraphic. So, so that 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 one is called Spirou, and it's a very old character that's from Belgium. And I basically grew up on those first. Okay. And a bunch of you know the the, the usual Asterix, uh, Tintin, and all those guys. Of course, uh, of course. Spirou was kind of a favorite of mine. And then I, it's not a comic book character, but Sonic the Hedgehog was a big influence for some reason. Oh my gosh, my daughter loves Sonic. We have the whole IDW run. We got pieces of the Archie run. She has the actual first cartridge nice. for the Sega Master System Sonic. That a shout out to Dodgy that he gifted my daughter that when I told him she loves Sonic, he goes, I got something for her. <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I I discovered him through the through the games like Dreamcast and and uh, Oh Dreamcast games. man I still yeah. got I got the American and the Japanese still and and check this out. <laughs> Look what I have for for my Dreamcast. My God, I didn't know they even made a game of it. Yeah, this is all Japanese. This is a first person shooter spawn game. Okay, pretty cool. And I still got them. My daughter wants to take them from me, but I'm like, no. <laughs> Those are mine. Let me keep this safe because this is like one of my treasures. I'm a spawn guy. All right. <laughs> okay, so. 
Yeah, so so Sonic the Hedgehog, mostly I think for the design of it. Okay. The the the, the example I always use is the the there was a two D animated intro for like Sonic CD that I ah, discovered okay. in a remastered version on the GameCube, and and I would just play it over and over again because I was so obsessed with like the design and the animation of it. And then manga was a big thing. Like I read mostly exclusively manga when I was a teenager because oh, wow. again. Access. The, there were there were like one spinning rack of manga in the one library I had when I was a kid. Oh wow! So everything else you would have to read on the internet, and and that that was I think the biggest influence. So there was Shaman King, Full Metal Alchemist, Naruto, that kind of thing. And then when I was around seventeen, eighteen, I discovered Hellboy. Oh man, the master of Sub Magnolia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, which kind of like for wanted, I had seen the movie before, like okay. years before. And then one day I'm just on the internet and I see an image and I recognize the, the silhouette of the guy. And I'm like, that was, that was a comic book initially. Like, let me <laughs> that. and to give you an idea of how complicated it was, there was no, no easy access to it on the internet the way manga was because, because American companies have a big problem with that. But anyway. The solution that I had was that because I was in Senegal, I had to ask my stepmom, who was a employed by the EU, okay. to ask her dad, who was living in Belgium, to buy the book for me so that he could send it to us through a special delivery system used by the people of the EU so that we could get the book for Christmas. Wow. Jeez, a mission just to for get a comic book. <laughs> my gosh. Hey man, but kudos on you for 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 doing the mission <laughs> and getting yeah. what you want. You know, yeah, that's amazing. So, so how is it you living in France and studying the art? Did that influence the type of stories you're telling nowadays? Because we're gonna get into Jolie in a second. I want to bring up the PowerPoint, but it's, before we get into that though, showing off how awesome the book looks is like did living where you live now influence you in any way to tell this story? Yeah, I mean, on the outside, obviously, because you get access to so many different new books and the teachers have much more knowledge than you, so they keep recommending new things. Okay. But there's also the fact that I, when I was in Senegal, I wasn't necessarily paying much attention to the culture in terms of observing it. You're just living in it, so you don't, you're not really paying attention to, okay. you know, you, you're, you're in it already. It doesn't have any special value necessarily for you to like observe or, or analyze that much. And then, when I moved to France, I started like looking at it from the outside and trying to figure out what, what kind of stories I wanted to do. And the, the, the big moment for me, the one I always point to is the, the moment I went back after my first year in France. I went back to Senegal and I went to a art shop, really small cupboard size thing with like statues and, and the kind of stuff that they make for tourists. And, and I just thought like, I, I know this stuff. And Japanese creators have been making manga based on their own folklore for like years. And, and most of the stuff that I like the most is based on that. And Shaman King is really based on a lot of different folklore mixed together. Mm-hmm. Naruto and, and Dragon Ball is basically just Japanese people using Japanese culture. And I just figured like, why not do something of the same vein, uh, using West African folklore and doing a sort of sci-fi fantasy kind of adventure book. And that was, that was just because like I, I figured I had never seen it. Okay. And I just wanted to make it because I thought it would be cool. And mm. then, you know, you go on the internet and you meet with other African creators and you start to realize that there's a, there's a growing number of us now. 
Oh, like my yes. entire generation, like there were comic book creators before us, but my entire generation has so many of us now that like we all like we had a chat at the very beginning with the, the people of Kugali. It's a Nigerian company who publishes African creators. Okay. And when we first reunited, one of the discussions we had amongst people from me from Senegal, you had people from Nigeria, Ghana, and all kinds of other countries, and we all knew Dragon Ball Z. Okay. <laughs> Like that, nice. that's the that's kind of the vibe, I guess. Like we all grew up with the same influences, yes. and then we all had the same idea of how about using that but applying it to our world. folklore. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I love it, man. Because I actually have friend a friend out here, I believe he's in Georgia. That for years he's been working on books. He's had successful crowdfunding campaigns, but based on African folklore and all that stuff. Uh, it's amazing stuff. Yeah. So I'm glad that it keeps coming to the forefront now. So that way, because again, Americans are eating it up because we're tired of what the big two is doing here and we're looking for some cool stuff, right? Yeah. So, you know, let me add this right here real quick because a shout out to TKO and Eric for hooking us up today to, to chit chat a bit about Jalea. Yeah, man. So let's take a quick look, right? I mean, great looking cover, bro. <laughs> <laughs> So this is all you, the art, the cover art, interiors yeah. and all. This is you 100% front to back, lettering, flats. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh, wow. I think it's the, the design wasn't by me. Mm -hmm. It's an inside job from TKO. Okay. But yeah, the, the, I did this story art, coloring, uh, lettering. I, basically the book was going to get made anyway. Yeah. Because I struggled to get it made, and at one point I was just like, the very reason why you managed to get interested in your work before was that you were already making it all by yourself anyway. So when I contacted TKO, it was kind of a last-ditch effort before I just decided to make it for myself. Gotcha. So yeah, I think when I contacted them, half of it was already made, or at least half of it was sketched. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Really? Look at you, man. There you go. All right. So let me ask you about Jalea. Um, is there any particular folktale, you know, that, that this is based on? So an obvious one is the, the epic of Sundiata Keita, which I, I wouldn't call it a folktale. I suppose mm -hmm. it works in that way in some, some forms, but it's more of a foundational text for the identity of West Africa and Mali, especially. Okay. It's about the creator of the, of the Mali empire. And oh. it inspired, like, it mostly gave me basis for, I approached it the same way I approach almost all fantasy style or folklore style storytelling, which is I wanted to do something that comments on the tropes in it. Mm -hmm. So the story of a guy who becomes a, uh, uh, who's a prince, who becomes a king, who unifies an entire kingdom and everything, it's very clean. It's almost like, it's the criticism that um, George R. R. Martin has of, of the Lord of the Rings with the Aragorn being perfect king who's yeah. really nice and, and really sweet and everything is perfect because the king is a good guy. And I, mm -hmm. I sort of wanted to do a story where I wanted to go I wanted to go beyond this notion and especially because of because of the historical context of where black people are today, there's a lot of discussions about we always like to prop up the kings and queens of the past. Yes. But always in a way that I found a little troubling because it's it's almost ahistorical in some ways because they're not treated as people who also had faults. They're oh, treated as perfect beings who, who <laughs> the evil Europeans killed. And like the place wasn't perfect before. No, so, exactly. I mean, listen, history is written by the winners, right? 
Yeah. So unless we're on the winning side, but even if we are, we will never know the full truth or extent of it. <laughs> yeah. And like, so my, one of my goals was I wanted to play with this archetype of the perfect king and show that it's, it's royalty itself is not the perfect system. It has plenty of problems. And I also wanted to do a story that sort of props up not the kings and queens of the past, but the random normal people as well, because this entire notion that we descend from kings, I'm like, I also probably descend from a shepherd, and I don't see why he's not as interesting or exactly. as important to history as the king. Hey, I'm I'm from PR, and I know I I have both Spaniard and, and uh, Taino history, so I was probably I could either have been somebody on a ship mopping the deck, or I could, <laughs> or I could have been a Taino Indian over there, you know, farming the ground. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, in our yeah. history, and and but he's, he's just as much uh, just as important as the the, the guy who was. Mm-hmm being the captain of the ship. So I guess the, the idea for me was that I wanted to do a fun adventure story, but also something that sort of comments on what I was observing of how we approach our history and wow. the way we treat stories, especially like what kind of stories do we tell and why, and what kind of effect do they have on us? Mm-hmm. So the, the whole book is about the, the, the power of stories and how you can shape an entire, an entire nation's identity with a story and what happens if that story is not entirely true. Mm. I mean, and, and look at this imagery here. Look at this coloring. And I do see some Magnolia stuff in here, yeah. kind of influence. I see that. This is great. Explain to us a little bit about this page and the process behind this. Because this is dope. You got this, what looks like some floating island somewhere, rocks yeah. everywhere. I mean, this is fire. What's the, this? Um, so the basic idea for, for the book is that before the beginning of it, the earth has been shattered in pieces by a wizard who then went back into his ivory tower and hasn't been seen in years. And the main characters are essentially trying to rebuild the kingdom that they lost because of those those events. And the main character, especially Awa, is very sure of the right the, the rightful value of her king and, and how great her kingdom was. So I wanted to have a story where she gets to see what happens, like what, what needed to be done for her kingdom to be as glorious as it was. And she gets to visit the city that didn't have the luck that her nation had. Okay. So like part of it is just because I wanted to grow floating rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it looks cool, man. I mean, I'm with you. It looks dope. Yeah. Because like, like, I mean, it, on a thematic level, I guess you could say it's it's effective to have the earth literally shattered into pieces because it really yeah. translates this idea that people are secluded from each other and the world is literally broken. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the main drive for me was I want to draw floating rocks and, and cities in the sky and... <laughs> Like I wanted, I wanted to have fun with that kind of imagery because I find it really epic and kind of sad at the same time. Gotcha. And like that's also why the sky is red. Like this is a city that was destroyed, and mm. uh, the, the the sky remains red red for the most of the story until it resolves in the end and it gets it becomes blue again. Okay. And gotcha. like that was that was a choice for that as well. So the the architecture was mostly based on like I had a few different styles of buildings that I like and then I yeah. just freestyled the whole thing. It's not based on anything specific. Okay. I wanted I wanted it to be big and I wanted to have the luxury of like drew ruins as much as I wanted. The okay. one piece that's taken specifically from something that I actually lived with is the um, I don't even know how you call it, how you call it. The, the the central lane in the middle of it. Right here. The, yeah. That one is pulled directly from the street in, in, in Senegal. Oh really? 
There's a street like this? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's those, well, it's not a street. It's like, there's, a, there's a, the road on either, th- on either side, but it's, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. those ways where the water is supposed to go. Oh, the waterways type joint. Yeah. Yeah. Waterways. Okay. Thank you. The, like we had one that we drove in front of pretty often and mm-hmm. I, I just liked looking in it because you had the, the graffiti on the walls and everything, but there was also the, like when I was a kid, we had this rumor that there was a, an alligator in it. <laughs> really? wasn't true but like when you're a kid you believe anything so it, it stuck to me if they tell you that here in florida then you better believe it's true <laughs> my father-in-law was visiting here over the course of the weekend and he stood in west palm and he was about to go into this lake that the neighbors started screaming at him what are you doing he goes what do you mean i'm about to get wet he goes bro don't you see look 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 in the middle you can see nothing but two eyeballs just like oh looking God. at him <laughs> He's like, oh, man, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, they tell you that in Florida. But let me ask you, since you did mention Awa, is yeah. Awa based on any particular person in literature and real life that, that, that inspired you? In literature, not necessarily. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> some of it is based on Shimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Okay. She's a Nigerian writer, and and she like I I I like her both for her writing, but also all the different conferences and other talks that she does. She's a very articulate person and okay. really helped me understand things in different ways and learn things. Like she had a, a similar approach of looking at her own folklore in ways, or at least her own culture in ways that don't look at it in, as perfect. Okay. And she's a very noble and very uh, poised woman. So that was there was a bit of her. There was a lot of myself because Awa is also very much based on uh, the two main characters are both aspects of me, and Awa okay. is very much the whole, I want to try and make things better, but I also tend to sort of get in my own way and being too stubborn and and not necessarily aware that you might be wrong about things. Mm-hmm. And the last piece that I realized, uh, I was with, with my 12-year-old sister last week, and I realized that a lot, a lot of the character was based on her as well. Oh. Like I didn't know. Like that, that that that's the funny thing. Like you you just make your character the way you envi- you envision them, and then okay. I don't know. Like the, something about my sister some th- this week was just very like her, and I was like, damn. Like I I understand now. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. She she's dri- driven you so crazy. She she ingrained herself in your brain, and you just yeah. you know unwittingly just oh man that I was my sister. Oh smart. And you know what? I want to give you another thing here. Just looking at this design here, little things yeah. that you do like this. My, that's Kirby-ish too. Are, are, are yeah. you a Jack Kirby guy? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So explain this scenery here. Is this kind of the tech that they have? Yeah. So the tech, how do I explain this? Basically, the um, I try to be as little futuristic as I could, which is why I don't like when people say that it's Afrofuturism. I don't, it's, it's, it's a very American thing and it's not at all what I was going for, especially coming from an African perspective. Yes. And, and as far as the tech goes, it's me using the technology exactly the way it was in the nineties and early two thousands in Senegal. Okay. Which is why the screens are so big and the, the wires are so thick and, and like, <laughs> The, the table in front of her with all the buttons and everything, that, that is a bit more futurist, futuristic, but the yeah. rest is very like, I, I, I guess I just tried to make the kind of stuff that I was envisioning when I was a kid and playing with my toys because you're using okay. around you and what I had around me was 
the very old family computer and, and all that stuff, and you mix it with what you see in movies, so holograms and all, all those kinds of things. Then her costume is, like, she has a VR set that I mixed with a headdress, yeah, uh, uh, which is more from the south of, of, of Africa, but anyway. The dress itself and all the, the necklaces and everything, like, it's me pulling from different different references I had of, like, African fashion and everything. Excellent. Interesting. That This is a beautiful image. Mean, this is also poster-worthy right here. <laughs> I like like the coloring yeah. on it. And look at this. I mean, there's also action like a mother in this one, huh? <laughs> I mean, explain this. What's going on here? And, and I love the... Dude, your usage of panels here, just that. The way yeah. you cut it, the, the cut, this, that, everything. I mean, ex ex explain this process here because this is fire. Um, so that one I wanted chaotic on purpose. The, the the plot of the first chapter is basically that you have Mansour. Mansour was supposed to be the new king, okay. and his kingdom was destroyed along with everything else. And now he's uh, being pushed by Awa to sort of become the new the new great king. The way they've been told that kings are, are that the kings are supposed to be, and he's really not up to the challenge. Mm -hmm. So the first the first chapter is him. Attempting to get the favors of a, a criminal warlord, and to do that, he has to kill his rival, mm. and so he ends up fighting the the soldiers that uh, work for him. And that entire sequence was like for most of the book, I try to make the action look cool, but I also try to show that it's it's actual violence. People get yes, hurt yes. and people die, and it's not. Like it, it leaves you with mental and physical scars. And You're like, not glorifying the violence. Yeah, essentially. at all. Yeah. Yeah. So the opening. So this is the first action scene of the book, so I still wanted to open with something that really like slaps you in the face. It does. <laughs> Good job. And then, and then I, I slap you again with the the, the, the reveal of, of how violent actually this is, and and how. Monceau himself is glorifying this moment, thinking I'm the hero of the story, I'm the cool guy, and by the end of it, he's realizing that actually, violence actually hurts people. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. But this looks phenomenal against the coloring, the panel usage. Because, you know, yeah, who wants square panels nowadays and have six to a page, right? I mean, when you could do something <laughs> as awesome as this. Because, I mean, your your graphic novel is not a lightweight, right? It's about 168 pages, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's real oomph for your for your dollar right there. I, I love it. Now, you know, we're talking about Zulea and all that's currently available via TKO Studios, right? That you could go to the website, you know, right there, TKOPresents.com. Check that out. Now, I want to know what's up in the future for you, Janae. I mean, are you planning to bring on any more African folk tales or something along those lines? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> um, this guy's so cryptic. He's like, hmm, I don't know. Let me, what, what can um, I tease? Well, it, it's actually kind of complicated because, well, not complicated, but like, I, I realized that it's kind of part of what I do anyway. Mm -hmm. And Jelia was the, the me consciously thinking, let's do something based on West African uh, okay. folklore. But the next thing I'm, I'm working on is mixing all kinds of things, and it has West African elements in it, but okay. it's not a West African thing. Okay, gotcha. It's, it's just a fantasy thing that, that, that is influenced by a whole lot of different sources. 
And and but the West African part is always going to be there, I think. Which is good, definitely, man. Represent, yeah, absolutely. Because like the 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 thing too is that I'm not. I, I want to avoid sort of fetishizing West African stuff. Okay. And and I want it to be treated just like any source of inspiration. Of course. In in the sense that when you like again, the big example is Tolkien and and all his influence. All the Lord of the Rings influences come from European, especially German G- Germanic mm-hmm. influences. No one ever calls it a, a European uh, folklore fantasy. True. True. You know, True. It's just yeah. Fantasy, and that's kind of what I want to do with West Africa, like West African influences. They're there because that's where I come from, and they're always going to be there because that's that's part of me. But they're on the same level as everything else, and I want them to be treated the same as everything else. I love it, man, and you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm kind of digging that 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 way of thought. It's, it's so true. I mean, it's not this. It's normal. Just it just happens to have a couple yeah. of influences. I like that. I like that from you, bro. That's awesome. So right now, you know, we're talking all about all of this work, but for fun, what are you doing right now? What are you reading for fun? Is there anything you're reading, checking out that, that keeps your mind occupied away from work for, for a couple of hours? Um, I don't know how to stay away from work. <laughs> every, 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 kind of everything I do has an impact on what I... Like, I will be reading a book or watching a movie, and it, it will still harken back to, like, giving me ideas. And So you're one of those, like me, put it on pause, I'll be right back, grab a pen and paper, hold on, I got an idea, and okay, yeah. I can go back to it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that. Like, I, I have a big issue on, on that on that front, and I manage it well enough. But yeah, So, comic-wise, there's the I read the first issue of The um, the Many Deaths of Lila Star. Lila Star, yeah, Boom Studios is killing it yeah. right now. Yeah. And I read just the first issue and I said, okay, I'm going to wait for the trade because I need to read everything at once. But like the yes. first issue I read was so good. And, and especially since we're talking folklore, like there's this whole, the book is great because it's a really good example of what I was talking about of just using the folklore as a normal mm. thing, not fetishizing it, not putting a, a spotlight, like look how exotic this is. It's just there. And it's just Indian folklore put in a very normal, mundane way that actually gives it way more humanity. And I just love the way it's done. And, and of course, the story is great. Like, the, just the first issue alone, the way it's written is so poetic and so effective. Yes, yes. I, just, I'm, I, I am extremely impressed by the way it's done. So, so there's this one. Movie-wise, I'm, I'm waiting for Green Knight. It's still not out in, uh, in France. Okay. And I'm, I guess I'm a little tired by the, the, um, movie landscape of now i guess like france is a bit different but france has a, a, a lack of diversity in terms of subject matters okay i mean they have a lack of diversity in all kinds of areas but anyway the, <laughs> the american side of things though i'm mostly tired of all the corporate aspect of it like there's a lot of movies that don't feel like stories that someone is telling you they feel like a product that a company is selling you it's a product, absolutely. That's yeah. that's every single superhero movie right now. It's just the product and the way that the, the comics change to reflect the movies, as opposed to it being the original source material. The comics, yeah. the movies should change to be like the comic or whatever. That's an yeah. argument for another day. Or <laughs> the other action movies and just there's a there's a weird lack of indie movies in in the landscape. I find yeah like, they're harder. They still exist, but they're harder to find. And that's mostly where my interest is going now because the, the, the more, the more bigger stuff is, absorbs my soul. Like it's like, it's like a, a what, what are they called again? 
the Harry Potter monsters that swallow your soul, like in Harry Potter. Oh, okay, movies. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what it feels like to watch corporate uh, big budget movies for me now. So my my baby that I hope I'm gonna love is Green Knight because it it feels at least to be made with a certain level of artistic interest, I guess. Yes, yes, I get you. Like I'm really excited for it. I get you. So my recommendation is check out Geek Fest Film Fest. There's a whole bunch of independent filmmakers, movies that vary from 10 minutes all the way up to a half hour at times. Nice. Good stuff, a variety of product. You know, these, these are the people that we're going to see on the big screen, the real big screen one day, producing a major film because they are so talented. So if you love indie, Geek Fest Film Fest, for real, check it out. That's my big homie, Pillow. You can see us next week at Megacon. Yay! <laughs> Yo, all right, so all right, so we got this. We could pick this up at TKL. I mean, have you seen it at the shop yourself yet? How are the shops in France? I want to know because obviously I haven't tried outside the U.S. I mean, do you have shops in France and is this book in, on a shelf? Have you had uh, it in your hands yet? We have a bunch of them. The book is in English so far, so you would only find in shops made by, well, shops that sell books in English. Okay. I don't know that there are many. The There is a, a, a bookshop here, like we have a library. Bookshop. Yeah, bookshop. Okay. I get confused with all the, the words. Um, <laughs> no bookshop here that two of my friends uh, run, and it's an English bookshop. And so they have copies of the book. We did a signing and everything. Oh, nice. How did you feel when you first saw your book up on display like that? And, you know, and, um, and your first signing. I mean, again, you're all new to this, right? I mean, this this is actually yeah. your first project. So how did you feel, man, like, to see your product exist and see it on a stand and then you're being invited to sign? How yeah. does that feel as a creator? It's, it's kind of <laughs> funny because the, um, I mean, it stays in your mind for a long time and then on your screen for a long time and then you get the actual physical thing. But, but yeah. the, the, the biggest part for me was seeing it in people's hands mm. and, and I get a kick mostly out of reading the, the reactions people have. Okay. Mostly because like, again, this, I, I, the, 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 the more, the more I observe why I like stories, the more I realize that it's because I like, I like it when a story feels like it's someone talking to me. So that's why I make stories too, I guess. It's because I, I'm trying to talk as well. So it's really good to have someone talk back and tell you what they thought of the stuff that you made. Oh, absolutely. To have a real constructive uh, yeah. conversation, not, 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 not like some people do on Twitter. <laughs> have a constructive yeah, and, conversation, and, please. And, and beyond just the criticism of, beyond just reviews, because it's not reviews that I'm interested in. It's more so people's ideas and, and reactions and what kind of thoughts the book gave them, what kind of emotions, that, that type of stuff. That's where, that's where the interest is for me. Oh, understood. Okay. You want to understand the person's journey after reading your story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Understood. Uh, I, I like it. All right. So before we go, I always like ask a creator like yourself, you know, based on your journey, what's a great piece of advice you could give an up and coming creator? I would say make it yourself. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the way I, the way Jelia happened was that it was going to happen anyway. Because when I gra- after I graduated, my my teachers basically said we don't know if anyone is going to want to read something like this. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So I started pitching it to to publishers, and they said we don't know if anyone is going to want to read something like this. And but I started I started posting my own stories on the internet, and it started gaining interest. And the very reason why Julia has been published by TKO was because when I sent my my first email, they responded with uh, we usually don't accept offers but we've been following your work for a while we want to know what you have to offer 
And that would that would not have happened if I had listened to the the the, the naysayers, let's say, and and just tried and tried and never made anything. So like, what saves me is that I kept making shorter stuff that I put on the internet for people to read, mm-hmm. and it generated enough interest that publishers would then look at it and and go, there's potential there. So yeah, my 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 advice would be make it make it yourself and always have the door open for opportunities for bigger things, but but. Never be, never be stifled or, or, or slowed down by the lack of interest that you may encounter. Make the stuff for yourself and, and you have a bigger chance of finding an audience this way. Fantastic. That's great advice. And I like that. It's true. You know, it's even like with a, when they do Kickstarters, for example, I like those yeah. folks that basically the project is done and the Kickstarter will only pay for the shipping. You know what I mean? If anything. So I like that. I'm going to get my product. Because Junie, let me tell you, Junie, I've had, uh, I'm waiting for a book. People know the story. Rob Reifel. Rob, where's my book? It's been almost 10 years and I'm still waiting. He's offering me refunds. I'm like, no, I've been waiting this long. I need my book. <laughs> I'm a bad boy. Okay. So Junie, let me let everybody yeah. know right now, Junie, Twitter, right? Junie underscore Ba. Now, is this where you were putting up those stories and art that people were checking out? The Junie uh, Ba website? I had a gum road, like I, I took the stories out since then, but <laughs> okay. the website is a page that I don't really use much anymore. The Twitter is where okay. most of my activity is, the Instagram as well, which is the same name. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that's where you're most, most likely to find me. Excellent. And folks, please visit tkopresents.com. Fire, Jalea, get your copy today. It's a gorgeous book, 168 pages of comic book goodness. That's definitely going to take you on an epic adventure because it is an epic fantasy story with um, awesome pieces of folklore and and fantasy and sci-fi and magic. I mean, this is everything. I love it. Brother, you're uber talented. I wish you nothing but continued success. I can't wait to see what else you come up with since you're already teasing other little things that you're doing. But first and foremost, folks, yo, pick up the book. Please visit TKO Presents, all right? Please follow Janae right there on Twitter, on Instagram, Janae underscore bar, and just keep up to date with everything. Because this is one of these future creators that we're going to see do amazing things on his journey. I really can't wait. Janae, thank you. Thanks so much, bro, for just taking time out of your day from the south coast of France while I'm over <laughs> here in hot-ass Orlando, Florida. <laughs> so thank you again, brother. It's been fun. Huh? Yeah, same. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And folks, you know what to do. Again, fo- follow the homie. And again, thanks for tuning in and watching. You know, show the love, subscribe, follow. You know what to do. With that, I'm out. Mega. Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Much love. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 